0: Are either one
1: of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. It's so bad! Welcome back inside the Screening Room, the podcast running down everything that's new in theaters and on home video. Welcome, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. and Hollywood definitely making headlines here recently and not in a good way no we'll try to keep to the good stuff hopefully the good stuff check it out first what's new in theaters this week and it is friday the 13th so we might as well start there with a college student reliving the day of her murder with both its unexceptional details and terrifying end until she discovers her killer's identity this is happy death day
0: Look, I know this isn't going to make any sense. Stop global warming. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You sneaky little biash. Happy birthday. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's going to kill me
1: tonight. The way I see it, you have unlimited amount of lives. Unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying until I figure out who my killer is? You want to live to see tomorrow, right? This is Groundhog Day, George. Groundhog Day for the horror set.
0: Exactly. Uh, you know, and it's funny, when I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, Edge of Tomorrow, the uh, Tom Cruise movie came out a couple years ago. Great. Right. A Bad great title. Movie. Good Bad movie. Bad t- title. Exactly. <laughs> it was really the first time a movie had revisited the concept of Groundhog Day. And I remember at the time when I saw it thinking, huh, I wonder, it took them 20 years mm-hmm. for something. Yeah, and it
1: was pretty well done. It was.
0: And there are four of them <laughs> this year four of them this there's year. never
1: a good idea that can be beaten into the ground
0: oh my god
1: yeah uh, they just did a young adult one uh, a couple of years ago
0: called before i fall and then there are two i think that were straight to video maybe to netflix mm. uh one is called naked where mm. uh marlon wayans uh dreams he has the naked dream oh at, repeatedly every day okay until i he can that figure one. out what he's got what's gone wrong and okay. then there's one called premature i'm not even gonna tell you what that's about
1: <laughs> all righty <laughs> This one, though, you got to find out who killed her as she keeps reliving the day over and over, right?
0: Yes, and it's very much. And the thing is, they don't pretend it's not like Groundhog Day. I mean, they address the groundhog in the room, so that was clever. I was glad they did that. <laughs> uh, she wakes up, just like he does, to this, sound, to this song, this bad song, every day, looks around, realizes where, he, where she is. And, and also, like Groundhog Day, it's a particular day. It's her birthday. Yeah. One of the things that it does, it does this better than the other's Of this year and one of the things that it does well is play it for comedy Mm -hmm. it is a slasher but but it's definitely a, a, a comedy film which is a good idea it's a good because eventually by the third or fourth or fifth you know, bloodless death scene. I mean, you know what's coming. Right. It's not like they're going to be able to generate scares from it. So they, so they work to generate some laughs. And part of the reason that it works well is because Jessica Roth, who plays the the birthday girl, she's very good. She's very strong. She's got great comic timing. Mm-hmm. She's got great physical comedy ability, and it and it translates well to also being able to be murdered again and <laughs> again and again. <laughs> that sort of I'm up for it. Aptitude with a mm-hmm. with a physical presence and. The director, who I liked last year here, two years ago maybe, he did "Scouts Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse." Yeah, oh yeah, right. Uh, his name is Christopher Landon. I enjoyed that movie a lot, a lot more than a, a lot of people did actually, because it had kind of a charming goofiness about it that this has as well. Uh, the problem is just that it just wears out its welcome. It's mm-hmm. tedious after a very short bit. There are it does it introduce some funny. Ideas that lead to red herrings. I know you hate the red herrings. I hate
1: the red herrings. I know you do.
0: But in this particular case, because she's trying to unravel something, and she just chases these certain ideas, just sure this is what it's going to be. It makes sense the way they do it, and then also for for example, there's a blackout that happens, and of course she right away is like, is that what's causing this? You know, intergalactic weirdness to happen, and and then they rework it uh, in an, in a clever way. But then in the end, it's really not a mystery. Uh, the red herrings amount to nothing Mm -hmm.
1: well now red herrings if you're playing them for comedy purposes can work better Mm -hmm. i I can see that but as for a traditional horror film uh red herrings for me get very tiresome but it can have some comic effect i suppose
0: yeah i just think in the end all of the sort of mystery elements and you know they they don't exactly work out Mm -hmm. i mean it doesn't really hold water and and the thing too is that as as charming and interesting as it is in in many instances it never really rises above marginally entertaining it's fine is what it is but you will forget it right away
1: sure and you know and to be fair groundhog day the movie it's been a while so yeah 20 you know it's a movie that has kind of grown in stature over the years people Mm -hmm. look back and think yeah that was really enjoyable you know at least if memory serves it didn't come out to that much of a fanfare when it when it first came out but so it's not like you're you're you know uh taking these ideas that just came out a couple of years ago it's it's how well you do them and that's one of the things that I thought edge of tomorrow did really well really just really repeating well. the day yeah. and found out different ways to get it get it moving and keep it fresh every time they repeated the day so yeah good ideas are going to be repeated um, it's it's how you do them and uh, and this one in a in a horror context seems like okay we haven't done that yet but uh, and maybe going with a comedic angle might have been the way to go if they'd have maybe uh you know pulled it off just a little better
0: yeah yeah i think i mean it's it's funny because in groundhog day there is no reason that that the day is repeating i mean right. he, he's he's got to learn a lesson yeah. but i mean there's no cosmic explanation for the actual phenomenon of the repeated day in edge of tomorrow they explain it and they explain it really well mm-hmm. and and there is a reason for it and and but but then after that they Again, there's no reason for it. I don't think you can keep getting away with that. I don't think you can keep writing yourself out of the fact right. that, wait, but so you're not going to wake up again today, but what was the fun? Uh, well, we're not going to say, but there's a guy <laughs> in a baby mask. Isn't that funny? So, it, But, it, but it, I mean, it's, it's considerably better than I thought it was going to be. Okay, it's well, just it's, that it's, in the end, it, right. it, it's certainly, it, you know, I think what it tries to be is sort of Scream meets Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. and it is by no means as good as either of those films. Okay, fair enough. So, for the next one we're going to talk about, a humble businessman with a buried past seeks justice when his daughter is killed in an act of terrorism. A cat and mouse conflict ensues with a government official whose past may hold clues to the killer's identities. It's the foreigner. An explosion rocks the city today. What does he want? His daughter was killed in the bombing.
1: Mr. Hennessy, please find out the names of the bombers. I work for the government, not terrorists.
0: You used to work for them. I don't know who the bombers are. I don't believe in you.
1: It's him. You would tell me the names of the bombers. It's kill me on Tuesday. He's trained. Bury me on
0: Wednesday. Maybe special forces.
1: For me Thursday. Stop! She's wackaboom! He
0: just wants you to know he can get to What
1: is going on? He thinks I know who blew up his daughter. Do you? Liliana, let me go.
0: man running circles around a lot of us.
1: Jackie Chan is the star this time, and you know he's got skills. And in a particular set of skills. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of that. In, in these types of movies, when you see the trailer, that's going to be the first thing you think of. It's you the think latest. It's
0: Jackie Chan in a Liam Neeson movie,
1: right? In In Taken, which you know what? To be fair, it's really not. That's oh. the nicest surprise about this movie. It, it it goes different places. It still has that element to be sure. And Jackie Chan. It's interesting for people that may not remember before he was doing all these you know goofy comic relief roles Mm -hmm. i mean he was an action martial arts legend yes you know and he's getting back into that role here with the you know the butt kicking uh, vengeance type of role that makes you think of liam neeson and taken and all the different variations that's been done but yeah he is a father and his daughter is collateral damage Mm -hmm. in a bombing in london they're living in london He's of Chinese descent, and they're living in London. And right away, he picks out some people. He thinks all he wants is the names. All he wants is the names of the bombers. And of course, he will take it from there. So right away, you think, hmm, he's got a <laughs> he's got a past. Exactly. Yeah, and he settles in on the character played by uh, Pierce Brosnan, who is the Irish defense minister in London. And Pierce Brosnan's character, Liam. Turns out before he rose up in politics, he had quite a background in the IRA oh. and Sinn Féin. And he still has some contacts in that world, kind of a, a foot in each world. And uh, Jackie Chan then, who plays a character named Quan, is convinced that because of all that, Liam knows the identity of the killers. And he asks politely a couple times for the names. And then he asks not so politely <laughs> and starts st- turning the screws and really putting the pressure on in various violent and explosive ways for Liam to just give him the names. So it it really takes on much more of a political thriller angle than just butt-kicking the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Liam has to go into hiding, back to his farmhouse, and they try to protect him. Well, there's no protecting him from this guy, who you find out is former special forces Ah. with these particular set of skills. Of course he is. Uh, and when it does get down to the the fighting choreography, you know he can still he can still get it done. You know he's in his 60s, and that's one of the things the film kind of overplays in the beginning is making him a doddering old man, only to have him bust out the you know the limber dexterity and and the moves of oh I thought he was a doddering old man. So <laughs> you know it kind of overplays that a little bit just to try to make it surprising when he has when he has all these uh, all these skills. But you know a few years ago. Uh, in the remake of *The Karate Kid*, Jackie Chan showed, at least for me, a surprising bit of of acting chops. Uh, now here he's not really asked to do that much more than just be the action star and uh, the guy taking vengeance. Although they do do a decent job of giving the character some layers, a little bit of backstory, and making it a little more meaningful. Than you might think. And it does get into, I, I was, I guess, surprised by the amount of double-crossing political intrigue. So it gets into a lot of that, maybe more than you might think. You might think it's just nothing but this non-stop action. Well, it's really not. There are some dry spells while it's sorting out the story. And it's director Martin Campbell, who did uh, the latest, the last Casino Royale with Daniel Craig as James Bond. And then he did, I think it was Goldeneye, he did at least one James Bond with Pierce Brosnan. Huh. Who does bring... Some nice seasoned gravitas to his role of: Is he a villain? Is he just trying to get it done the right way, or he does usually he usually is? Yeah. He
0: usually is really good.
1: Yeah. So so he's effective, and and most of the supporting cast is as well. And as I said, Jackie Chan really isn't asked to do that much, but it they are successful in making his character. Sympathetic mm-hmm. into what he's doing now. Of course, in a in a movie like this, there's going to be some lapses in logic, yeah. and you got to suspend disbelief, you know, as it takes some of these leaps. And there's more than a few scenes of some MacGyver action in here, <laughs> when, when he just gets, you know, a piece of plywood and an, a, a children's alarm clock to make a bomb. <laughs> you know? So so there's that going on, but and so there's nothing really new here. But it is the way it's put together. Maybe if you're just expecting the latest, you know, watered down for the 10th time incantation of taken, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. It's All a little right. bit better than that, mm-hmm. and that is The Foreigner. And we've got two historical dramas opening this week. The first one is about a young Thurgood Marshall, the first African American Supreme Court justice, as he battles through one of his career defining cases. Chadwick Boseman stars as Marshall. <laughs> Baby, you go into these towns, who have never seen a Negro lawyer. Hey, boy! You need to be careful. This case will show the world if a color man can get a fair trial in the United States. There's only
0: 13 million Negroes depending on you. Don't any of you have any confidence in me? I'd say you have enough confidence for us all. I only represent innocent people. People accused because of their race. That's my mission. I never touched that woman. Need a partner who the jury can relate to. Sam Friedman. Good to meet you, Sam. Hey, give me a hand with these, would you? What have you got in here? Cement, guns, books, Mr. Friedman. If you want freedom, you're gonna have to fight for it. I have made the joke before that if there is a historical drama, you can assume Chadwick Boseman is going <laughs> to be in it. He's had a few, but you know he's been solid. That's the thing. It's he—he it, he really does. It's just he carries with him this sort of, you know, wise beyond his years Quiet charisma. dignity, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that he's just a very, very compelling presence on screen. And one of the things that I think is something about him says, you know, like, you know more about me than than just what you're seeing on the screen. I, I mean, there's just something about the way he carries himself with, like, just baggage already attached that lends itself to a movie about somebody you do already know something about.
1: Yeah, if you remember, he starred as Jackie Robinson in 42. And I thought he got robbed of attention as James Brown in Get On Up. He was fantastic. He was solid as Jackie Robinson as well. He was,
0: yeah, he was. Yeah, his James Brown was pretty great. It was 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 really
1: great. I thought it was criminally underappreciated. But uh, yeah, he does. He has that, as I said, quiet dignity. And really, who better to bring that to than the case of Thurgood Marshall?
0: Well, and that's a funny thing because... What I didn't exactly expect is that he brings quite a bit of swagger. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's he's just he's a this, badass. He is a badass. <laughs> he's very bold and confident, and um, you know, sometimes almost really to the detriment of the situation, or at least some of the other people in the situation. He's got a lot of confidence, uh, but it was it was a fascinating character. The problem with this film, Marshall. Is that it's really not about Thurgood Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, and so and, and that's unfortunate. And it it's interesting because you know he Brown versus the Board of Education. I'm going to go ahead and guess that was his most famous case as a, an attorney. Pretty big, but it's not the case that they use as the vehicle for this film. Uh, the case is one of Connecticut versus Spell. And uh, it's a story, it's the uh, the alleged crime of a an African-American chauffeur who has been accused of, of raping and attempting to murder his white socialite boss. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting cr- crime or alleged crime to look into because it, it just allows for layers and layers of... of issues to sort of unpack and that's great and it really is a fascinating case the problem with the choice for this movie though is that because thurgood marshall wasn't a lawyer in the state of connecticut he had to have a connecticut lawyer in the courtroom to to get him allowed to to uh be the counselor on the case Mm -hmm. and the judge played magnificently by the always amazing james cromwell oh yes won't let him speak Mm-hmm. He says, "Yes, you're allowed to stay in the courtroom, but you can't say a word." Now that was that's a that's an amazing detail. That's a a phenomenal just affront, really to to the justice system, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, a compelling piece of racism that was going to inform the entire case. It's 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 fascinating, right? The problem is that means Thurgood Marshall is really not a part of the courtroom drama. Interesting. So and 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 so what happens is the the lawyer who was. Really, only there as a favor to get him in the court. The the the, the Connecticut lawyer played by Josh Gadd's his name was Sam Friedman. Mm-hmm. He had no intention of remaining, and he has to carry out the entire the entire trial uh, with just the sort of silent mentorship of Thurgood Marshall. And Friedman had been up to that point, and all, only ever intended to be a tax lawyer. So he'd never been in a court. He'd never he'd never done criminal just, justice before. He was very out of his element, and and also. He wanted no part of the publicity that this trial was bringing. Because Mm -hmm. in 1941, he's a Jewish lawyer. He has enough problems of his own. He doesn't want to be a part of this. And he's sort of brought kicking and screaming into it. So the film really is more of a character study of Friedman and the way he evolves during the course of the case. Josh Gad is great. Their chemistry is is very, very funny and interesting. And the performances are really good. The chemistry with Bozeman. With Bozeman. But that's the second problem in the movie. Mm-hmm. So is is really that director Reginald Hudland can't find a tone. Mm-hmm. It starts off with with again the swagger and and sort of style of a hard-boiled, like gumshoe detective movie, which seemed ill-fitting. And then when you introduce Josh Gad's character, there's it's often played for comedy, which also particularly once you get into the gravity of the situation. And the details and the racism and the, and the you know, sort of ugly confrontations, they, they abandon that comedic tone, which is good thinking, but it just seems it never can decide exactly how they're going to present the case of the movie. And I don't want to really um, downplay the fine performances, the fascinating story. It's just that I, I feel like there were a handful of fairly major choices made that diminish kind of how... how impactful the film could have been
1: and the other slice of history opening this week is the story of psychologist William Moulton Marston the polyamorous relationship between his wife and his mistress the creation of his beloved comic book character Wonder Woman and the controversy that comic generated it's called Professor Marston and the Wonder Women
0: Dr. Marston Every issue of Wonder Woman is filled with violence, torture, and sadomasochism. This abnormal behavior in their comic is reckless. A woman must not be told how to use her freedom, she must find out for herself. If you want to understand the mind of a woman, you can start with that. Wonder Woman has a secret identity. Why is that?
1: She has to hide her true self from men's world.
0: I wonder if you're the one with a secret identity. When we reviewed Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. the cinema-changing blockbuster that came out earlier this year, I looked this up because, and I often do this with comic book movies because I'm not a comic book nerd, so I don't know that much about it. So I want to have some context before I go in. I had no idea.
1: Well, I did not look it up, and I had even less of an idea. And this is a fascinating story. Again, it's not a documentary, so it's not going to have everything... 100% 100% correct sure. but even so even if it just gets the base story right it is fascinating and it's anchored in 1945 when Professor Marston is defending the Wonder Woman comic strip to a board of decency I guess so Ooh. to speak speaking out, the, protecting the children as they <laughs> always are and he's having to defend the quote unquote sexual perversions present in the Wonder Woman comic strip which by 1945 was a huge hit so it's anchored there, but then it does a lot of flashbacks, starting back to 1928 when uh, Marston and his wife uh, Elizabeth were professors. Well, he was a professor; she was also a psychologist, and they were teaching psychology at Radcliffe College. Professor Marston, William Marston, is played by Luke Evans. Always good. Who was? And he was so great as uh, Gaston in the the yeah. last um, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And then you've got Rebecca Hall playing his wife. Always Again, good. Always good. So good. And they are they're they're both great. And so it flashes back to them in 1928 at Radcliffe College taking on a new teaching assistant, uh, Olive Byrne, played by Bella Heathcote. Mm -hmm. So that becomes the triangle as the the two psychologists are very interested in, in his DISC theory, and that is dominance, inducement, submission, and compliance. So they want to study human behavior, and he's also very, very interested in the behavior between women and men. So they take on this teaching assistant and then it becomes quite a triangle because uh, Mrs. Marston wants to be very open. You know, she's she's very clear about how, oh, well, whatever, whatever you want to do. And we shouldn't have any limits. And but then, of course, that doesn't always hold true. You try to keep to that, even if the people have those ideas, Eh, it's hard to do in matters of the heart, but it becomes quite the triangle as they explore each other and different ways of expressing that and things that they're into. And of course, back in the 1920s, that's going to get them in trouble mm-hmm. when people start, maybe they don't know it, but you know, rumors start flying. So they have to take on a, a different life and go away from academia. And long story short, things that they're into start making their way into this idea that he has for a new superhero. And it's amazing, not only all the f- aspects that come together to launch Wonder Woman, especially as you said, as it made just such a huge reemergence mm-hmm. in popular culture, mm-hmm. and good for that. Uh, it really speaks to a lot of things, including the. La- the creative layers of meaning when you go to see any work, how sometimes that work is saying things other than what you think it's saying sure uh, on a subconscious level sometimes you know sometimes it's very overt and that, that can be a problem we we a lot of times don't like that in a movie when mm-hmm. things are too overt, but it, it speaks to that ways of creating and saying one thing by saying something else, and just also the the fascinating facts of this Case of the, this led this piece of popular culture to take on the traits that it did the lasso, the costume. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do a really, it's on, on one hand, the movie is idealized, and on the other hand, it's kind of sneaky subversive mm-hmm. uh, in both ways. And it's writer director Angela Robinson, who's mainly done a lot of TV. She's done. The L Word, mm. and uh, she's done some other episodes of some very popular TV series. So most of, her, most of her resume comes from TV. But it's a pretty assured, pretty confident feature here that, uh, that has, like I said, some different layers to it. And it's entertaining as you're learning these things that just make you kind of smirk a little bit going, well, look at these people you know, <laughs> getting this out in a popular culture right underneath you know the, the white bread world of, of suburbia. And then they, they go back and forth between his, I guess you'd say testimony, his interview to this decency board. And then they'll show like shots of storyboards from the comic strip. You're like, look at that. Look what they, you know, look what they were into over here. And look how that came out in the comic strip. So he didn't obviously, he didn't draw the comic. No. That was a Marvel. He took it to Marvel. Uh, but he wrote it. Got him in, in increasing amount of trouble until he had to defend himself. But Uh, It's a cross, it ends up, for me, it ended up being a cross between Saving Mr. Banks, Mm -hmm. remember how they got under the story of Mary Poppins, with A Dangerous Method, Mm. back with the the story about Sigmund Freud Freud, and the little triangle that was Mm -hmm. going on Mm -hmm. there, yeah. So it's it's a little bit of both, and it is a bit long, but uh, all in all, it's a fascinating story, and it's very entertainingly told, led by three very good main performances, and uh, I would recommend Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Batch of new stuff coming out on streaming and Blu-ray and home video, led by one of our favorite movies so far this year, The Beguiled.
0: Oh, such a great movie. Sophia Coppola.
1: Seems like not a lot of people saw it.
0: Well, it's an indie. Yeah. So and, and a period drama. Yeah. So but I think I actually think it did better than maybe a lot of period drama indies do. I hope so. The cast is spectacular. Mm. And uh, it's a creepy not a horror film, just a creepy look at conflict in in uh, a civil war where a, a union soldier Wounded escapes the conflict and finds himself at a school for girls in the South. It's been boarded up. They take him in to do the Christian thing and help him heal before they turn him back over to the authorities. And uh, that's a lot of pressure and tension in there. And uh, it's a fascinating movie, and it is gorgeously filmed, and the cast is amazing.
1: Yeah, and it's important to remember it's not a remake of the Clint Eastwood beguiled from the from 1971, I believe. It's another. Uh, adaptation of the book sure. that inspired so, that so movie so they
0: are both the same basic story but this is a very yeah. very different and forgive me far superior approach
1: <laughs> and it looks fantastic that's one of the other many things this film has going for it is is the look that Sofia Coppola creates and a big recommendation for The Beguiled also one that we liked that I don't think did well a baby driver is out this week.
0: Talk about looking good! Yeah, this is maybe for me style the best looking movie of the year. And and uh, and it sounds pretty good too. Oh, that's the thing. <laughs> so and it, you know it's all set to the most. Like perfectly intercut soundtrack you're ever gonna find. I mean, it's just such a technical achievement and a fun, fun movie. It's a lot of fun, you know, about the you know heist, sort of heist after heist after heist, and yeah. the interchangeable uh, players in each heist, and the the driver, that's the baby really face what driver. About, right? That's how he gets
1: his nickname. Exactly.
0: Just, just you know, a lot of people maybe expected it to be more of an action movie, or expected it to be bloodier, or maybe thought it, maybe found it quirkier than. Give it a shot. It is. I just loved this movie.
1: Yeah, it's Edgar Wright. Who, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, all those. It has that It has that swagger that you uh, mentioned before. It has his kind of wink and a nod, hang on, Absolutely. we're going to have a fun ride, and boy, it, it really is one, and that's Baby Driver. And another small movie out this week that I just loved, mainly for its main performance, is Maudie uh, and Sally Hawkins, who is just a wonder. You know,
0: she's always great. She, British actress, mostly independent stuff, nobody ever sees her in anything, so good.
1: She just carries this film. She's in nearly every frame, stars as Maude Lewis, who's a Canadian folk hero artist who was born with a pretty bad case of rheumatoid arthritis that only got worse as her life went on. But she she rose above it and mainly rose above all the people that just kind of discounted her because of that. Mm-hmm. And she, Sally Hawkins, I hope she's remembered at awards time. She is just fantastic. Ethan Hawke is, is continuing his his later career Reemergence as a very good actor is a nice bookend as her husband Everett Lewis and before it kind of dissolves into a just standard love story Mm -hmm. and before it goes too much in that direction I thought it was just fantastic it's still good don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong Mm -hmm. I was a little disappointed that it abandoned the angle of her rising above her situation to settle into this kind of by the numbers romance thing but before it does that uh, it's it's Just a fantastic movie. Just and the performance alone, even if the movie is worse than it is, and it's still worth seeing. uh, Her performance alone carries it. Sally Hawkins is great as Maudie.
0: And a couple that we wouldn't really recommend. (laughs) The first is you know uh, another PG-13 horror film. You know, aimed obviously at the youth market. It's called Wish Upon. It's boring. It's bad. It doesn't work out very well. I would not recommend
1: it. Okay. And. One that was disappointing for the main two stars, in it. it's called The House, and that is Will Farrell and Amy Poehler, very funny people. Yes, indeed. And the premise is basically something that they did in an old episode of The Flintstones <laughs> years ago, and for my money did better. Amy and Will play a couple that have to come up with their daughter's tuition uh, to attend the College of Her Dreams, and they do it by opening up a backyard neighborhood Casino. Sure. And so they just want to have some fun with the white suburbanites going all soprano on us (laughs) and acting cool. And it's just one of those things that seems like, all right, here we go. Do something funny. And maybe this will be an extended Saturday Night Live skit that we can mine for some comedy. And no, it just, it falls on its face. It has, I suppose, a couple of laughs here and there, but really a big disappointment. Cannot recommend the house. As we look forward to some big movies coming out next week, one that. I hope is as good as the trailer looks and it's the snowman. Can't
0: wait. Michael
1: Fassbender trying to get at the identity of a mysterious killer based on a novel, so if you've read the novel, you know what happens. We haven't, so we don't. That's right. Looking forward to that one. Also, one, uh, Only the Brave. You
0: know what? I hope it's better than its trailer. Yeah, trailer coming on strong. Spozy. Yeah.
1: Coming on very, very strong. That's and then, coming the
0: out. Ju- or excuse me, Jungle. Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I've heard great things about his performance. Very much looking forward to that one.
1: Yeah, getting a lot of good buzz.
0: Not so much looking forward to the other two.
1: Ooh, same kind of different as me. Now, this is one that I think has been out there for at least a year. Yeah, it's Wh- been
0: shelved and oh. it had when its trailer dropped well, at least a year ago, it had an immediate reaction and it wasn't good. So no. it has to be better than the trailer because it is look it up, YouTube it. Yes, That's it's kinda of different. Maybe the worst trailer ever. Oh,
1: just terrible. It looks it looks so, so we'll wr- overwrought an and mind. overbearing. Yes, we'll try. And then uh and then Gerard Butler is back to save the world in Geostorm, also one that looks a little bombastic. <laughs> So a good chunk, a good uh, batch of movies to uh, dive into next week. So until then, let us know what you thought of the movies this week. The Foreigner, Marshall, Happy Death Day, Professor Marston, The Wonder Woman. What else is going on? Maybe some of the ones on home video. Let us know. Best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook, we're... Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website where you can find our written reviews of these and some other fun stuff is madwolf.com. So the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com. And until next week, I'm George Wolf.
0: I'm Hope Madden.
1: And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.